All right. If you enjoyed that singing, say amen. Amen. You'd have to be an evangelist to appreciate good singing, I think. I was in a meeting some time ago that the only music they had was a dear saintly lady played the organ for 15 minutes up until they let me preach. I like organ music, but she worked for the funeral home. And by the time I got up, I'm going to tell you, they were dead. So I've learned to appreciate good singing. Good to see Brother Roger. I was privileged to preach for him back when I was young and he was still old. And I'm glad the Lord's uh, allowed him to make it back this year. Good to see each one of you. I picked up some kind of bug here last night. I'm going to blame it on the saints, cold or whatever. And I'm like, Brother Tim, my wife gave me something. I don't even know what it was. So if I go to speaking in tongues, you forgive me. So uh, we'll just see how it goes. I've, in a sense, learned to cherish my weaknesses because it's then that I can find out he's strong. And you'd be amazed at how many times I strike out. <laughs> I don't like it when I do, but when I get to thinking about it, I realize that that's his way to reveal his power. And I bless his name for it. Hadn't we heard some good preaching? Wonderful preaching. Thank God. John's gospel in chapter number 3. We'll begin reading in verse number 1. I'm preaching on a conversation with Christ. I noticed that Jesus talked to the rich. He wasn't too good to talk to the poor. He talked to sinners and he talked to saints. He talked to Gentiles and he would talk to Jews. He talked to men as we saw yesterday. He talked to women. He talked to adults and he talked to children. I'm glad for the day when he talked to me. As a matter of fact, I believe that any relationship with Jesus begins with a conversation. My sheep hear my voice. He spoke to the woman at the well. He talked to her about water. Now, if he talks to you, he's not chit-chatting. He's not just passing the time. It's not just a little talk with Jesus, but it's life-changing. He talked to her about water because he wanted to change her life. By the way, anytime you come to water in the Bible, you come to a new beginning. Noah and the flood, Moses and the Red Sea, Joshua and the Jordan, Jesus being baptized. And if you ever get the water of the word in you or get into the water of the word, there's going to be a new beginning. But I want to take a step further and I want us to notice the conversation that he has with Nicodemus. While he talked to the woman about the water, he talks to Nicodemus about the wind. 
He'll always talk to you about something natural because he wants to talk to you about something spiritual. He'll talk to you about something that is earthly, that he can talk to you about something that is heavenly. He'll talk to you about something that is temporal because he wants to talk to you about something that is eternal. He'll talk to you about you because he wants to talk to you about him. And it is here that he talks to uh, Nicodemus and it is evident he wants to change his nature. Now, Nicodemus knows something about the natural birth, but he doesn't know anything about the supernatural birth. He knows something about being born of the womb, but he doesn't know anything about being born of the wind. He knows something about being born as far as the flesh is concerned, but he doesn't know anything about being born of the Spirit. Jesus is letting him know that uh, if he's going to have the change of nature that we all need, it's going to take the wind to do so. Let's read these verses, and then I just want to quickly mention three things about this conversation about the wind. The Bible said there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again. Born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, capital S, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the capital S, spirit, is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, where it wants to, where it desireth. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst tell from whence it cometh, whether it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the capital S, the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master in Israel and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of Heavenly things. I'll read verse 13 down through verse 18 in my last thought as far as the sermon is concerned. But I want us to look at this matter of Jesus' conversation uh, with Nicodemus about the wind. Three simple thoughts. I notice in our text that the word wind, you can get your strongs out. You can look it up and you'll find out that uh, in the Greek that the word wind and the word spirit are the same thing. They are the word 
pneuma. And what he is simply saying unto Nicodemus when he talks to him about the wind, that he's not talking to him about the zephyrs and breezes of this world. He's not talking to him about the oxygen that we breathe in and out of our natural bodies. But he's talking to him about spirit wind. Or he's talking to him about the wind of the spirit. And what he is saying to him is that if anything's going to happen on earth that is heavenly, there must be the breathing of the wind. The word pneuma means breath or it means breathing. And he said there needs to be something heavenly happen in your life so that you can be a part of another world. But before that happens, there's going to have to be a breath. And it can't be a natural breath. It's got to be that divine breath, a breath from the Spirit. The thing that we, of course, when a natural baby is born into this world, are, are most concerned about is that first breath. Because we realize that baby can't breathe or can't live without that first natural breath. But so it is, as he's saying to Nicodemus in the spiritual realm, there has to be that supernatural breath. There has to be the breath of the Spirit. And aren't you glad for that day as we preached yesterday, that place of which you felt the breath of the Spirit of God come in to you. The breathing, if anybody's going, I, I want to say to you, if anybody's going to live, there has to be the, the breathing of the Spirit. But not only that, he emphasizes this matter of the Spirit wind as far as birthing is concerned. He said, if you're going to be born from above, if you're going to be born, born again, if you look it up, it means to be born from above. If you're going to have this heavenly birth that is beyond this world, it's going to take the spirit. The spirit not only must uh, breathe, but the spirit must birth. And of course, in a natural birth, what happens when that child takes in that oxygen, that is where he begins to adapt to this world. The natural wind causes him to be able to function and live and survive, to acclimate would be my word. He can acclimate. It began with a breath. Your acclimation to this world began with a breath. Well, I want to say to you, your acclimation to another world begins with a breath. And as the preacher was preaching on worship, thank God for all of those things that came from heaven into us when the breath of the Spirit birthed us. And you and I at that point became acclimated for another world. No wonder the songwriter said, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Why? Because I've got the earnest of the Spirit inside of me. I've got the Spirit of God within me. And thank God for the Spirit that breathed in me and the Spirit that birthed me. I want you to know that when we get to heaven, they're not going to have a teacher's training union. They're not going to have to try to teach us and acclimate us to what's going on there. Because we've already been acclimated when we were born of the Spirit. 
And I tell you, what worship is all about is a heavenly event in our hearts brought on by the Spirit. Thank God. And uh, when we get to heaven, there will be praise, as I say. But I'm not going to be a stranger to that praise. That praise is within me. It was brought by the Spirit. I was acclimated to it. And when we get to heaven, there's going to be joy. But I'm not going to have to practice up on joy. I, I have that Spirit within me. It was given to me when the Holy Ghost birthed me into the family of God. Aren't you glad when you get to heaven, you're going to feel at home? Because you've got the Spirit of God that birthed you for a heavenly kingdom. But not only if we're going to have a heavenly work in an earthly place, must the Spirit of God breathe the wind. Not only must the Spirit of God birth as to the wind, but I notice in verse number 8, there is the blowing of the wind. Not only the pneuma, the breath of the wind, not only the birthing of the wind, but there is the blowing of the wind. Hallelujah. I'm thinking about on the day of Pentecost, uh, when uh, they were gathered together and the Bible said there came as a sound of a mighty rushing wind. Thank God the wind blew on the day of Pentecost. I'm glad for the blowing of the wind. As a matter of fact, let me make this statement among Baptists. I assume most of us are Baptists and I are a Baptist also. But I still believe in Pentecost. In other words, I still believe it takes the blowing of the Spirit of God for us to worship. I still believe it takes the blowing and the wind of the Spirit for us to really sing, for us to preach. We must pray in the Spirit. Everything has to do with the blowing and moving of the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, we understand that I don't have the power to convince you, to convict you, to comfort you, to convert you. But the Holy Ghost can breathe and he can. It takes the burden of preaching off of me in the sense that I realize that it's not up to me to change you. But it's up to the Spirit of God. And oh, when the Spirit blows, things begin to change. As a matter of fact, I can't get you to understand what God has told me. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, there were 17 different nations there. And they got up and started preaching. Everyone heard them as if it was in their own language. Now, how'd that come about? The Holy Ghost was the interpreter. What I realize is the Holy Ghost has to take what he's put in my heart and interpret it to your heart. The best I can do when I go to blowing is blow out bad breath. But oh, I want you to know the Spirit of God uh, can initiate and translate and revelate things to your heart that I don't have the power to do as the Spirit of God blows as it did. I would have you to understand that God never has to inhale. He only exhales. And when he exhaled the Holy Ghost, we act as if that that was way back there and we don't know where the Spirit went. When he exhaled and released the Holy Ghost on that day, that spirit, that wind has been blowing somewhere ever since. It's blowing somewhere right now, today. And aren't you glad that we can count on the Holy Spirit, the wind of heaven, doing its work here, there, and yonder. 
the blowing of the wind. Had a preacher back in the mountains of North Carolina, owns a farm, and he said one day he was back up near the barn, and oddly enough, his neighbor was several miles away as far as road was concerned, but across the mountain, uh, the other farm from his. He said, I was standing out there by the barn and said, I heard my neighbor that far away talking to his son and I heard every word that was said. He said, a few days later, I met my neighbor and I said, I heard you and your son talking at your house the other day. He said, that's impossible. How'd you do that? He said, well, there was a breeze that come up through that valley and across that hill and right down by my barn. And that breeze brought every word that you said. Aren't you glad the breeze of the Holy Ghost can bring the truth of God to folks' heart? So I say to you, Jesus talked to Nicodemus about wind. He's talking about the spirit wind, the Holy Ghost. The second thing that I would emphasize is in that first part of verse number eight. The wind bloweth where it lifteth. In other words, this is the power of the wind. You can't start the wind and thank God you can't stop the wind. You can't determine where the wind's going to blow or where it's not going to blow. Because the wind bloweth, as we realize that in a natural sense. You can do all that you want to do to prevent the effects of the wind. But honey, you ain't going to stop the wind when it blows. And uh, we know that in hurricanes and, and in tornadoes. That the wind has the power when it begins to blow. And it is here that he's talking to him. And he said, you know, if... If a heavenly thing is going to happen on earth, if there's going to be a, a new birth into the kingdom of God, there not only has to be the spirit wind, but there has to be the sovereign wind. The sovereign wind. How dependent we are, and it has already been preached this morning, upon the spirit of God and the spirits moving. Now, this is the spirit of God. Uh, it has been preached here this morning. God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him how? In spirit and in truth. The spirit of God. Not only the wind spirit, I'm going to tell you, it is, this is the, the, the spirit of the wind. This is the sovereign wind. The wind of God. Now, I thought about the different times in scriptures, and I won't mention them all, but maybe three of them, that God breathed. Amen. You do know that the Lord breathed creation. Psalm 33 and verse number 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. The Hebrew writer said the worlds were framed by the word of God. Amen. As a matter of fact, preceding each one of the six days of creation, the Bible said, and God said. Now you can't say nothing without breathing. You try. You got to breathe. And so what God did in each day of creation, for instance, when he wanted the stars, he just breathed out the stars. 
When he wanted the earth, he just breathed out the earth. When he wanted the animal life, he breathed out the animal life. When he wanted uh, the plant life, he breathed out the plant life. Everything that was created was God breathing a world. That's what he did. Just breathe. Think about it. God, all he had to do was breathe. And we've got everything that we see and everything that we know about creation was simply God's breath. He breathed it out. But then I noticed that the scripture said he breathed into humanity. The Bible said he breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life. I like to say it this way. He breathed, of course, when he breathed creation, he breathed a world. But when he breathed into humanity, he breathed a world within the world. Because each one of us are worlds within ourselves. Every one of you is an individual world that has been breathed by God uh, into this world. But I would further that statement to say that when he breathed creation, he breathed the world. But when he breathed humanity, when he breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, he breathed the world within a world that was worth more than all the world. The Bible said that if a man should gain the whole world and lose his soul, what would he give in exchange for his life? I want to say to you that as far as God is concerned in creation, he put more importance and value upon one baby than he did all the stars he ever created. He put more importance upon one child than every animal that he ever created. He put more importance upon one man or one woman than all the totality of creation. I tell you the ideology of evolution in our schools has warped our thinking to where we believe that the whale is more important than the child or the spotted owl is more important than the children. But I want you to know in God's sight, no wonder we're having so much uh, chaos uh, in our educational systems. No wonder there's so much havoc there because we're teaching them that they got no real purpose when they were born into this world. There's no reason for them being in this world and they ain't got nowhere to go when they leave this world. No wonder they're killing one another off because there's no value placed upon life. And I want to say to you, honey, in God's sight, when he breathed into Adam, he breathed creation, he breathed the world. When he breathed into Adam, he breathed the world within a world that was worth more than all of the world. You, sir, you, ma'am, are worth more than all the world. Hallelujah. Then on the day of Pentecost, when he breathed on the church, what he did, I like to phrase it this way, when he breathed creation, he breathed the world. When he breathed into Adam, he breathed the world within the world. It's worth more than all the world. But honey, when he breathed on the church, He breathed into this world, a world from another world that's bigger than all the worlds. (laughs) 
What's a living on inside of me? The Holy Ghost breathed in me. And it is not of this world. It is from another world. Hallelujah. It is God breathed. And aren't you glad that it is? The kingdom of heaven set up right here on earth. Inside the children of God. That's bigger. That's bigger. Do you realize you've been born into something that's bigger than all this world? Somebody said, preacher, but they tell us there are billions and billions of stars. Now they say there's even billions and billions of galaxies. But I want you to know that everything God created is finite. You can get to the end of it. There's a last star out there somewhere. Just like there's the last human being on this earth somewhere. But honey, there is no end to the kingdom of God. I'm going to tell you, we got no idea how big this thing is that we've been born into. We're just a, we're just a sense and a little portion of it in this world. But somehow as the preacher said, we feel like we're on the little end of something. I'm here to tell you that he speaks to him about the wind, the spirit wind, and the sovereign wind, the blowing of that wind. But now let's go back to our text, and I want to look at verse 13. Down through verse number 18. Because uh, as I initially studied this, I started to end in verse number 12 because I, I thought maybe Jesus had gotten finished with the wind. But then the more that I looked at it, I realized that he hadn't changed subjects at all. Somebody said, well, yeah, uh, but it looks like he did because he's not talking W-I-N-D. He starts in verse number 13 down through verse number 18, as we'll notice. And he starts talking about himself. But I want to tell you something. When he's talking to Nicodemus about the wind, He's not only talking to him about spirit wind and sovereign wind. Get this. He's talking to him about solar wind. Now, you know what solar has to do with? Somebody tell me. It has to do with the SU wind. Now, if you go to uh, and uh, you'll Google it up, if you'd like, the subject of wind. And I want to tell you that the first thing they're going to tell you and the bulk of what they're going to tell you is that the wind is directly connected to the sun. In other words, it is the S, wherever you find the W-I-N-D, somewhere the S-U-N had an effect on it and got it moving. If you shut the S-U-N down, you'd shut the W-I-N-D down. I don't understand all there is, but just a little portion of it. They say that we, we have those uh, high pressures and low pressures. And what happens is that sun will shine down on that low pressure. 
And it'll get warm and it'll start rising up. When it does, it leaves an open space and that cool air, that high pressure will suck down in there and then you got your wind. The S-U-N is controlling the W-I-N-D. It is connected no matter where you find it. Can I say to you, he ain't changing the subject. He's talking about S-O-N, the solar wind of the Son of God. Oh, he said, I want you to know about the sun that is from heaven. The sun that's up there. Then he said, I want you to know about the sun that is lifted up. Thank God. Then he said, I want you to know about the sun that has been given up. And we can add the sun that has been raised up. He said, I want you to know that if you're going to have any W-I-N-D, you've got to have the S-O-N. And you read your Bible, you study your Bible, honey. Jesus said, I'll send you the Spirit. But he said, the Spirit's got one job. He's going to testify me. He's going to point to me. He's going to talk about me. told you we're handicapped to the spirit. We can't tell the spirit when to move, where to move. And boy, wouldn't we like to? Don't we have children we'd love the spirit to move on? Don't we have family? Don't we have churches? Don't we have church members? Wouldn't we like them to move on us? I remember Esther's grandfather, 96 years old, preached and pioneered churches across the North Carolina Western Mountains. Put his hand on my shoulder as a 23, 24-year-old boy. He said, son, you're going to have it worse than I did. I feel sorry for you. I said, why? He said, there ain't no spirit moving. Honey, he preached in the day when you could get up and announce your text and preach five minutes and there'd be 50 or 60 in the altar, had pictures of those being baptized, there'd be 70. You say, was it real? Yeah, I came through there many years later and they were old saints then and they packed those churches because they got born again when the Spirit of God moved. I don't care what we do in this hour. I don't care it's already been preached, the practices and programs. We gotta have the Spirit. But somebody said, how are you gonna get the Spirit to move? How can I get the spirit to convict? How can I get the spirit to change hearts? How can I get the spirit to cover and hover on me? I'll tell you why. Make it Jesus, 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 Jesus. Talk about Jesus. Preach Jesus. Pray Jesus. Worship Jesus. Just make it Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. this thing up a little bit. Oh, it may be dry. There may be discouragement as it was on the day of Pentecost before. But I'm going to tell you, old Peter hit the right note when he stood up and he said, men and brethren, this same Jesus whom you crucified, he's made both Lord and Christ, barely got it out of his mouth and here come the wind. Is keep pouring them to Jesus. Keep lifting him up. Keep raising him up. Keep exalting him. And I promise you the Spirit of God will move.
overheard a conversation one day. Didn't think it was my business to get into it. Preacher was talking about how another preacher told him, said, you know, I love to hear another preacher. But he said, the thing about him is all he ever preaches is Jesus. Next time I saw that preacher, I got on to him. I said, you're going to be in trouble when you get to heaven. I mean, with all these contemporary things to preach on, all these circumstances, and, and all you got to do is preach on Jesus. Well, that's the only thing that's going to work. Just plow in there and preach him. Every text you get into, point him to Jesus. Every song you sing, point him to Jesus. I'm not feeling half bad right now. Get me some more of that, honey. Soul win. When you give up on Jesus, you gave up on the win. Now, I want to go back and I want to close with uh, Ezekiel 37 and verse 9. Now, you know what's going on here. It's the valley of dry bones. And the Lord has said to Ezekiel, preach to him. I mean, it ain't nothing but dry bones. I've preached there myself. And he does what he's told to do. He preaches to it. And an amazing thing happens. The foot bone connects to the ankle bone. The ankle bone connects to the leg bone. The leg bone connects to the knee bone. And you know the rest of it. Yes. Everything just, there's a movement, there's a noise, and bones start coming together. It keeps on preaching, and then all of a sudden the flesh and the sinew. I mean, now they've got eyeballs, they've got ears, they've got noses, they got a mouth, they got fingers, they got toes. Everything that's necessary for being a human being is laying right there. But there's only one problem they look good, but they're still dead. They're still dead. Now, Ezekiel could brag on his preaching a little bit. He'd say, boy, they're looking better than they used to. You ought to have been here when I started. I mean, it wasn't nothing but dead, dry bones. I mean, I got some of them singing in the choir. I noticed one of them was putting money in the offering plate. Some of them even coming to Sunday school. They're looking good. They're look, looking the best they've ever looked. But the only problem is they're still dead. You can go down here at the mortuary and you can have one guy in, the, in one of those rooms over there that they're going to have the funeral for and he could have been run over by a train. They just put him in a bag and put him in there. 
And then you go over on the other side, and this guy just had a little, uh, maybe a little stroke or something. It took him out of this world, but all the body parts are there just like they always was. But I don't care if all the body parts are together here and ain't together over here. The thing they got in common is they're both dead. I mean, dead's dead. That's all you can say to it. And I'm going to tell you, Ezekiel, you're a pretty good preacher. And I've read what you've had to say. And I, I believe you're a prophet and a man of God. But the best you can do is make them look a little better. Hey, preacher. Hey, mama. Hey, daddy. Left up to you. And you ought to preach to him. He said to preach to him. But understand, your preaching ain't going to get the job done. The best you can do is shape them up a little bit. But they're still dead. We've got churches across this country. I'm going to tell you that they got all kind of folk in them. And they're looking good. I'm going to tell you, they're singing good. They're giving good. It's something to be proud of. You ought to have been here the way it used to be. But the problem is, if they're dead, they're dead. And then in verse number 9, he told him to change directions in his preaching. He said, now, Ezekiel, you've been preaching down. But now, I want you to change your focus. You've done all you can do preaching down. Any more preaching down ain't going to help the matters. He said, what I want you to do, look in verse number nine. He said, prophesy to the wind. (laughs) He said, it's time to quit preaching down and start preaching up. Because, honey, you ain't going to be able to change them. The only one that's going to be able to change them is the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. So go to preaching to the Holy Ghost. I want to say to you, preacher, it's all right to preach to them. But somewhere in that sermon, you're going to have to change gears and start preaching to him. Because he's the only one that can do anything about them. And if you spend all your ministry preaching to them, you might shape them up a little bit, straighten them up a little bit, get them to smell a little bit. But they're still going to be dead. You can't change a life. But I tell you one that can. He said, preach up. Preach to the wind. And as a matter of fact, you ain't singing unless you're singing to him. If you're just singing to them, honey, it ain't going to work. You ain't preaching less until, and you folks know when they change gears. You can tell when a preacher's getting up. I'm going to tell you, used to have an old fella, Dick Limble, back in the mountains of West Virginia. He'd get up and for the first five or ten minutes, he'd just call to stammer around and talk a little bit. He said, don't worry about me. I'm waiting on him. Hallelujah. And you realize when you shifted gears, if you're sitting out there in the congregation, you'll be able to tell when the preacher got his mind off of you and got it on him. You'll be able to tell when the singers quit trying to sing to you and started singing to him. You'll be able to tell when you hear the prayer that they ain't praying so you can hear them. They're praying to him. Honey, what we need in our churches as we need folks that'll focus on him. Preach to the wind. I love preaching to the wind. 
And honey, it's amazing when I get to preaching to win, you can do whatever you want to and I don't even know what you're doing. Haven't you heard them come and say, I tell you, I'm sorry about my young and crying. I said, well, I didn't know that. They said, well, I'm sorry I had to get up and go to the bathroom. I said, well, I didn't know that. You say, why? Because I was looking in a different direction. I quit preaching to them. I can't help them no way. I'm going to preach to him because I know he can. He can. Now, I'm going to tell you something. It takes weight off of being an evangelist to realize that I ain't coming here to preach to you no way. Oh, I'll start out and preach to you a little bit. And as quick as I can, I'm going to the wind. Some of you have been working on your youngins till you're blue in your face preaching to them. You need to change focus. You need to pray up. You need to preach up. Preachers, you say, my people so discourage me, I can't get them to do nothing. Preach to the wind. And the Bible said he preached to the wind and all them dead folks come alive because he said, I put verse number 13, I put my spirit in them and they land. Hallelujah. What I'm counting is on the Holy Ghost. will do his work. He'll breathe. He'll blow. He'll burn. I tell you this in closing, closing, my daughter won't mind me sharing it with you. It happened about 14 years ago. She had already got out of college. She was a nurse and she was nursing work, moved away from home. And you know, you can just pick up on when your youngins ain't doing right. And I could tell things wasn't right. So every time she'd come home, I'd preach to her. You know what I'm talking about? I just wanted to haul off and get a text. Preach to her. She'd be miserable and I would too. Finally one day she got in the car. She'd never talk back. But she got in the car and she left. I went back in the back bedroom and here's what the Holy Ghost said. He said, would you keep your mouth shut? I said, what are you talking about? He said, you've been preaching to her for 20, how old is 20 some years. If you'll shut up, I'll do the talking. Boy, he lifted that off of me and I said, Lord, that sounds like a real deal to me. Next time she came by the house, I couldn't wait to run out to the car. She got out and I grabbed her, I hugged her. I said, Lydia, I got good news. She said, what is it, Dad? I said, the Lord told me never to preach to you again. I said, now you'll have to report your soul, but if you need to know something, you ask me. I've been commissioned never to preach to you again. Man, we had a good time. Got in the car and drove off. And I'm going to tell you about a year and a year and a half later, the wind blew. Now, I wasn't nowhere near when it blew. But you don't have to be. The wind will get where you can't. Amen. 
Honey, I don't know how you feel about this, but when God breathed on her, he not only saved her, he filled her with the Holy Ghost. I love to talk to her. She calls often. I mean, she's wanting to talk about the Lord. She loves to talk about the Lord. I knew she'd really got something when one day she corrected me. She said, that ain't right, Dad. I said, oh, okay. So breathed on her. She told me one day in tears, she said, Dad, I wish I'd have been born a man. I said, why? She said, I'd love to preach. I said, well, just testify and disguise it. I know that ain't bad. comes a time when you're going to have to quit preaching down and you're going to have to start preaching up. comes a time when you're going to have to stop singing down start singing up. comes a time when you're going to have to stop praying down and start praying up. He talked to Nicodemus about the wind. He's interested in changing his nature. 